Hello and welcome to Sharp Tech. I'm Andrew Sharp, and this is a free preview of today's episode. You don't actually care about economic growth. I get how it is. <laughs> Listen, I'm a big Microsoft Office guy this is on like the our other ongoing, line. Here. Our ongoing basketball <laughs> conversation, where it's like, no, it's, it's more important to be entertaining and have a high degree of difficulty as opposed to actually scoring baskets and winning games, which is sort of the point. Well, I think actually scoring baskets in if we're talking email, you can write a two paragraph email. You don't need a computer program to do it. <laughs> if you want the Kyrie LLM. Uh, I'll take that the is what I want. and actually get a much <laughs> get a lot more accomplished. Oh man! Okay. Well, to keep it moving, uh, anonymous says uh, we're getting more anonymous emails lately. I very much appreciate it. He said, "I'd love to hear yeah, your." Yeah, this takes. is called this is called free consulting. So maybe I'll continue. <laughs> I'd love to hear your takes on Zuckerberg's year of efficiency announcement and his latest bet on engineers being the technologist to lever everything off of compared to other roles like product management, product strategy, data science, design, research, etc. One would argue that some of the greatest technologists in history never wrote any code, with Steve Jobs, of course, being the canonical example. Do you have thoughts on this, Ben? Obviously, it comes in the context of Zuck's announcement that they look at me. I'm a true tech guy now calling him Zuck. The announcement that Facebook will be laying off an additional 10,000 people and not hiring an additional 5,000 roles that they had been um, keeping open and are now closing those roles. So what do you think of of the framing here from Anonymous? Well, you call him Zuck, so I have to call him Mark from now on. Um, <laughs> the uh, uh, Steve Jobs is a very poor example for Anonymous to choose. Uh, because Steve Jobs absolutely had the view that nothing matters other than engineers. And he particularly enjoyed that view because that meant the only person that mattered for product was him. Mm. Uh, and, and frankly, it worked out pretty well because he was the greatest product guy in history. And then he had an army of engineers that would implement sort of his view, his sort of view of the world. That like when he comes back to Apple and he cuts all the product lines, he eliminated the like the the, the forward looking group that was like creating new concepts, killed the Newton. And famously goes up to goes up to the whiteboard, draws a four by four matrix, says we have a professional desktop, a consumer desktop, a professional laptop, a consumer laptop, everything else is gone. Uh that's basically that's the most extreme application of what Zuck is saying here. It's like these are our four products, and all the rest of you who were in charge of figuring that stuff out, you're out. And the engineers, we need you. We need you to actually build this sort of stuff and move forward. So uh, I think this is very much in line with jobs generally. And I think, yeah, I mean, th- here's the reality. Like in a world of constant growth, which is was Facebook for the first you know 15 years of its existence, no one wants to have difficult conversations about trade-offs or what should or shouldn't be done. And who should or should not be employed, right? Mm -hmm. Like, because you don't need to. There's no need to. There's no forcing function to have that discussion. And so it doesn't happen. And it makes total sense that, well, once the world changes, once you're not growing, well, you have completely different discussions. Now, the big question for Facebook is you have a, a cultural aspect that grows up around those assumptions, right? And there is value in like, it's like having, you know, if you grow up, it's like, a you know, someone that grows up rich, right? They just don't really think about a lot of like day-to-day costs. 
Mm-hmm. And that actually can be very freeing because you can think more aspirationally and about things that you can do because you're not caught up in the minutia of trying to pay your bills on time. And you see the opposite thing. Like we, the Giannis bit came up last episode, right? Why did Giannis have tw- 12 bank accounts or 25 bank accounts or whatever it might be? Because he had the poverty mindset. Like, and I don't mean that disparagingly. He grew up desperately poor and in a world that had banking crises. And, and, and so that, that's sort of a mindset that endures. The, the, the big question for Meta, this from an intellectual sense makes perfect sense. The reality is after 15 years of constant growth, you're going to have massive amounts of sort of fat on the bones. Mm-hmm. And you're going to have a lethargic organization that does not move well. The implication of having tremendous heft in the market, of having tremendous power, people talk about this like – I mentioned it on the episode last week, politics in big companies. That's not a disparagement. Like people, you're never – the reason why there's politics is because there's something at stake. You're a yep. big company that has impact, so of course there's politics. And the reason why – there's like this utopian view. Oh, I'd love to work for that company, but the internal politics, the reason you want to work for the company is also the reason why there's internal politics. Like it's, it's, it's completely intertwined and, Oh, I'd rather work for a startup because no internal politics. Yes. You're also probably going to have zero impact on the world, (laughs) but there's no like, like, (laughs) like that's, that's the trade-off. That is the trade-off that exists. And so Facebook almost certainly has massive, they could probably be cut in half and have a similar level of effectiveness. And that's not just Facebook. That probably applies to every, company that's been google i would say probably for sure honestly it's really important context with these layoffs specifically they've laid off by the end of the spring it'll be twenty thousand people in about seven months um but they also had hired like eighty seven thousand people at the peak last year so there's sort of a false premise yeah, they doubled in size bit. in a matter of like three years. Yeah, yeah, I'm sure they still have strategy people and product management people. I, I think your point is largely about like the culture under undergirding everything. I say this knowing we have listeners that were laid off or are going to be laid off. I have a very, very good friend that was laid off in the first round of Meta. It's just the way I mean, you were laid off. Like It's just if you back up, though, these companies that get business models that work. And it ends up being just a core part of the company and just so much stuff builds up around that. Now, the big question for Meta going forward from a sort of business analyst level, of course, they need to cut. The question is what happens to that culture, right? Can Because you're also – this is also an attempt to change culture. Now, you could say they need to change culture. Like you need to have a different mindset. You need to – but you, you're not going back to being a startup. You like you're there, there's no going back. There's yeah. there's there's a change. It's like, you know, it's like a marriage, right? Like you, you might go through start out and it's wonderful and go through rough times and then you get through the rough times and you get to a new state. That new state is not when you first met, right? <laughs> yeah, like not like newly you've wins. been through yeah. too much, right? And that is going to apply here. And the big question for Meta is can they get through this fundamental reset? and retain a culture that is still pushing forward? And critically, can they retain the right people that are invested in pushing it forward? Because one of the big risks, this is an issue for like Intel, for example, is something that happens, particularly when managers don't want to make the hard choice. Like Mm -hmm. Intel did this company-wide pay reduction. Asinine. 
absolutely stupid because the reality is there are some people that deserve to be paid more and there's some people that probably deserve to be paid less. And when you do it uniformly, that's an abdication of responsibility as a manager. And what's going to happen is the people who deserve to be paid more are going to look and say, why am I getting punished when I'm killing myself here? Screw this. I'm leaving. And the folks that have nowhere else to go, they're going to stay there. And Intel has lost so much talent over the last decade. And all the talent that had the volition to leave, even when times were good, why would they leave Intel? Because they realize the place is just grinding to a halt. It's an increasingly bad place to work. So I'm going to go do a startup. I'm going to go do XYZ. Guess what? Those are the people you need to do a recovery. Who Mm -hmm. stays there? Who stays at Intel for the last decade? People who like probably value the paycheck more than anything else, right? And and, and want to check out. And this is one of the things you would hear. Intel is producing stuff with TSMC. And you hear this through the grapevine about TSMC just pulling their hair out at the complete mismatch in velocity and work (laughs) rates between them and Intel. It's like, what? The guy we're dealing with on vacation? Wait, for how long? And again, this is not a commentary on work-life balance. This is That's a separate discussion. There is, though, a reality of the world where you it's like a, a, an electrical current. If you, if you have an impedance mismatch, you have a problem. You, like, you need to figure out, like, there, there has to be a, a, a matchup there. And the huge risk in going through these layoffs, and, go, and this is another reason why Meta's first layoff was way too small. I think we said this at the time. I'm sorry, 10,000 people, when you're at the size you are and the growth rate, you, like it's better to rip the bandaid off at once. And now like, cause now you have the situation where everyone's like, well, when's the third yeah, one coming? looking when's over the their fourth shoulder, one coming, sure. right? And, and, and it's going to make it that much more difficult to get a healthy culture afterwards with the right folks in place. And, you know, I think meta has a pretty strong internal culture. They do still have the founder in charge, which I think makes it easier and more viable to probably pull this off. But it's it like there's surgery that's necessary, but it's surgery that could kill the patient. So let me ask you to zoom out beyond just the specifics of culture and their questions going forward. In the abstract, I look at Meta and think, you know, it probably would have helped to have some non-engineers around over the last couple of years to ask some difficult follow-up questions about what the plan is on the VR side. Because I think there were a lot of people who were developing the tech and were really excited about the tech. And they didn't have, I mean, you interviewed uh, Simmons this week. They didn't have a VP of common sense to sort of speak to them about how normal people might use or perceive these products. And so to that extent, I, I do think the point in the email from Anonymous here is perceptive in as much as like if you're all engineer brain, you will make some unforced errors as you go to market with various strategies. All right, and that's the end of the free preview. If you'd like to subscribe and receive every episode of this show, you can do so by subscribing to Stratechery Plus. That'll give you access to every Sharp Tech episode, all of our Sharp China episodes, the Dithering Podcast with Ben and John Gruber, daily analysis of the tech business from Ben, and more shows that we'll be adding in the months to come. If you'd like to become a subscriber, click the link in your show notes to get access to the entire Stratechery universe.